0: This show and all the content on All About Beer is able to come to you each week, thanks to the companies that support our journalism through advertising. If your company is thinking about 2023 media plans, we have options for every budget. Email info at allaboutbeer.com to learn more. And thanks for the support in keeping us on air and online. Welcome to Drink Beer Thinker, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and this is a homebrew-centric episode, as we're going to talk about where things stand, where they're going, and what could be better. Our expert panel includes Andy Johnson, Denny Kahn, and Drew Beecham. We will get into the show in just a moment, but first, Jack Hendler of Jack's Abbey is joining me on the line, and the brewery is a sponsor of this episode, and of course, we're thankful for that. And we're talking once again about the brewery's Lager of the World series, and this time the brewery is headed to Singapore. So Jack, welcome back. Tell us about this collaboration and how Singapore got on the brewery's radar.
1: So for this next beer, we went to Singapore and we collaborated with Brewlander, a brewery in a really unique place that we really got to learn a lot about Singapore, how they brew there, the challenges of brewing there, and where they get inspiration from.
0: So tell us about the beer itself and how you made it and what's in it and why it why it's so special.
1: Absolutely. So this is a first for us where we use Maris Otter exclusively for the base malt of this beer. And we use a, a special process called the Cool Pool, where we cooled our wort down to about 170 degrees before we added our whor- Whirl Hops. And that process allows us to add hops on the hot side without extracting a lot of the bitterness that you would otherwise get by adding to boiling wort.
0: That's really cool. I'm excited to to hear a little bit more about both of those things a little bit later on in the show when you will be back with us to talk more about this cool collaboration. But in the meantime, I'm going to encourage everybody to go visit jacksabby.com where they can learn more about this beer as well as the brewery. All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. You can go check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for additional audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice. And you can listen to the shows that are now available, including the All About Beer podcast, Brewer to Brewer, and Beer Travelers. And we're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. We're headed into that time of year where people tend to reflect, to take snock, and then look forward. On this episode, I wanted to catch up with the home brewing sphere, since it continues to drive and inspire a lot of what happens with professional beer. For this panel, I'm honored to have three guests who have been making their beer for a long time, are active in their communities, and are constantly doing outreach and education to help everyone interested in the hobby. Annie Johnson is a well-known research and development brewer with extensive experience in the food and beverage and consumer goods industries. And as a software development and IT specialist in state government, she's also been brewing for over 24 years. She's a recognized national beer judge and brewmaster, and she most recently won the prestigious Glenn Hay Falconer Foundation Scholarship for Engineering in Brewing to the American Brewers Guild, where she graduated in November of 2020. She's on the American Homebrewers Association Governing Committee, is a Pink Boots chapter co-lead on the board of the Harriet Baskerville Incubation Project, and she makes her home in Seattle, Washington, and Sacramento, California. Denny Kahn and Drew Beecham are longtime homebrewers and noted personalities in the space. They are the co-authors of Simple Homebrewing and Experimental Homebrewing, which is also the name of their very excellent podcast that they co-host. There's a lot to cover it, so let's get into it. Here's our conversation. I've been trying to 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 wrap my head around where things stand at the as we sort of near the end of the year. It's it's that normal contemplative thing. And so as as we get ready to to turn into a new year, what's the state of homebrewing in America right now as, as you see it? And and Annie, I'll I'll start with you on that.
2: I think it's it's um slowing down some since the pandemic i mean people well the people being at home they were really into it i i think it's gone gone back to where it was pre-pandemic maybe a little bit lower um these things just kind of ebb and flow but as things as we get back together and more homebrew Brewer clubs are allowed to have meetings and competitions pick up. Um, I think it will start to rise again, but I'd say it's it's um as far as I can tell, it's my finger on the pulse, it's it's slowed considerably. Um, I don't know. I I just sound like I'm, I'm such a negative tone, but I just um <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I think we're just waiting for the next flux of excited homebrewers because there were the people that were at home and they were all, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just kind of fizzled out. So now we're back to kind of the old guard, which would be, sorry, Danny, um, myself, <laughs> you, and Drew, you know, the people that that have always been here. We're still here. Um but uh, yeah, we need something. Okay, next, I'm
0: done. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, Denny Khan, uh, who's been homebrewing uh, since he lived in Mesopotamia. Um, <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> I mean, what do you see as as uh, the state of homebrewing in 2022 you know, right um,
3: now? You know, Annie being on the AHA governing committee probably has a, a more realistic view than I do. Um, I was on the AHA governing committee for a long time, but thankfully I am no longer. Um, I thankfully. Based on what I see in my club, I see new people coming in all the time. I don't think it has, I mean, I know that the pandemic caused a real, real increase uh, in home brewing. Uh, people had not much else to do. I know that my uh, my homebrew shop owner told me that he made up three months worth of losses in two weeks. Wow. And I, I think that it has slowed down as people have gotten out and gone back to work and done more things. And I think that it went way down for a while based on what I see. I think maybe it's making somewhat of a comeback, but it's still, I mean, I know that it's still down from what it was a few years ago. Now, in terms of a number of home brewers, uh, it's really kind of like, like like opposite of the economic cycle, right? The, the, the better the economy is, the less people tend to brew because they go out yeah. and they buy beer and stuff like that, right? And then as the economy tanks, more people start brewing. Right now, from what I can see, I think it's kind of in between that.
2: Agreed. You you know, what John, about
4: you? you just, well, I just wanted to say real quick, you, you made me make an academic discovery. I went back and I checked my notes. Yeah. You know, for all these times, we've been thinking that it's the Hymn to Nikazi. It's actually the Hymn to Denny. <laughs>
3: oh, shut up.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I, like, I like that you had the other three of us being like, oh, wow, like, you're, you're gonna reveal some 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 fun thing and then you just go for an even cheaper shot than the one that I took
3: oh yeah, oh man that's what we're all about
2: yes, Danny's original recipes are are on chisel and stone yeah man
3: i I started brewing before fire was invented yeah, you, you, you know he he likes
4: to say that he still sticks with uh what's the uh, uh the brewing program that you use? prober no not pro uh, mash pro mash he likes to use pro mash but the really that's new technology all the original is in kineo form
3: yeah yeah <laughs> exactly and i do i'll do uh, all my recipe uh calculation using an abacus uh, sun, sun dial
2: edition hop editions. Hunt, hop editions. <laughs> okay let's move
0: on <laughs> i imagine though that there there are some fun things that you guys could do uh with all of that old technology of of really just trying to use a sundial or um anyway we'll we'll get uh, back to that no, we'll, and yeah. we'll figure that out as, we, <laughs> as as the alcohol consumption rises um, luck, like john
4: yeah drew where but where do you see things you know it's a it's a little weird for me because i i look at it from the point of view of my homebrew club you know the mighty Malto's falcons america's oldest I'm sorry. I had to get the picture. You had to, you really had to. And I love that
0: the radio voice came in for that one as well.
4: Uh, uh, Thank you so much. Um, But no, I I look at it from the point of view of my club and like Denny, I see new faces, but the thing I don't see is I don't see the faces sticking. And even now, post pandemic, our club activity is not recovered back to the level where it was. And I wonder in part, You know, I was thinking when you were were bringing up the subject about homebrewing and the state of homebrewing, I was thinking what sort of existential threats exist to the idea of homebrewing as a hobby. And it made me think, you know, I got into brewing because I needed to defensively brew. I had no good craft beer here in LA. And now I have nearly 100 breweries. And so I kind of wonder if some of the reason why I'm not seeing some of the recovery is because, well, why should I spend six hours making a batch of beer when I can... Literally walk down the street and go and have a pint, yeah. um and so I, I, I'm i still seeing a little bit downturn. But then, to Denny's point about a recession, every time we have a recession, suddenly people go, "You know, it's actually really cheap to make your own damn beer at home. Maybe I should do that." But I guess so. I,
0: I I'm curious about the idea of the clubs, and you're seeing new faces, but you're not getting them to stick around, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I think that that's true with any hobby. Is you know, there's people who you know, say, okay, I'm really going to get into golf or every four years after the winter Olympics, I'm going to take up curling, um, right. you know, and, and, and there's some people who stick with it. And I think we're seeing it with pickleball, um, you know, right now and, um, you know, hunting goes in and out of fashion for people who, uh, you know, want to do it as a as, as sport as well. Um, so people will show up and they'd be maybe interested for a week or two or a meeting or two. Um, How has the, one, the outreach changed to get new people into the fold? And then where do you think the efforts need to go to help people stick with it?
4: Well, I think the first thing is right now, all the outreach, like everything else in the world is all about the socials. So, you know, your Instas, your Facebooks, and God forbid, even your TikToks. Um, and honestly, I think if we're trying to connect with people, that's part of what we've been doing. It's part of what we started to increase. Like I used to be the old the old fart in charge of the the Falcons social media, and the younger kids have now wrested it away from me because I'm boring. Um, and so honestly, I think that's part of what you need to do in order to draw people in. It used to always be, here, go put a flyer up in a brewery, go put a flyer up around town. You know, here we published a newsletter and we mail it to people. And now nobody does that anymore. So it's all email and socials. Um, I'll also say I think one of the other problems with homebrew clubs in general, and it goes with any sort of long-term hobby, is the reason I don't think you get new people to stick is that uh, there are social clicks. And you kind of get people to punch through that and, and make their own click. And that's really hard to do in a homebrewing club. It's really hard to do for brewers because let's face it, most brewers are socially awkward and i count myself as the chief amongst those yeah so that's a real hard push pull there and so i think that's part of the problem getting people to actually kind of stay in the hobby and also let's face it nowadays with the proliferation of podcasts and youtube videos and online websites and this that and the other a good portion of the reason to go to a homebrew club in the past was to get a lot of feedback or to learn new techniques and now i could do that or I could go pull up somebody's YouTube channel and sit out, sit there and veg out for an, a half an hour with a pint of beer, um, and I, I suspect some of that's also playing
1: in.
3: The, Any, the, tru- the oh, trouble, the is, it, you, you don't you don't know that what you're seeing on YouTube is actually correct and good information. Whereas when you have interaction with somebody you know, then you have a bit more confidence in what they're trying to tell you.
4: Have you met the homebrewers in my club? I have no confidence in what they tell me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I actually wow. know quite a few of them.
0: Wow. Uh, you want them to just, not only take away social media from you, but also a membership too. But yeah, all right, Annie, go ahead.
2: I agree there um, with with uh, Drew. We, at my homebrew club in North Seattle, we we had to change the way that we did outreach because we used to do an old... Um, Email, email platform like a listserv which was a real drag and it had way too many members that weren't interested but so we shifted to our to having our own website staying active on Instagram and then of course our Facebook page pretty good and then what really helped um, is that we post our meetings and we have them at the same spot I don't know about Uh, other States, but in Washington, you're able to have them at at a brewery. Um, so we have it at at the same brewery and it's always the same, same, um, you know, the first, the first Wednesday of the month, it doesn't change. So, and then we have Slack channels. So social media has been really good as far as that for keeping interest but it like it, it's kind of the same state it ebbs and flows um you know we we're, we're now experiencing a, a nice group of younger how I say younger because I'm so old <laughs> of younger you know people that it really keep keep it going it's it's been amazing because the 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 torch keeps getting passed on to the next group of leaders it's the same old people in the club but then there's new ones and then the nice new ones the young ones they they kind of take over so it's a a very unique situation i think we're one of the only clubs that doesn't collect dues because we're just <laughs> independent wow, we're not tight wads we're just completely against it but the challenge has really been about um exciting people to stay active in the club which i imagine is is like that in other clubs but seattle is in washington seattle in in particular is is naturally not social people stick to themselves they you know walk down the street they really don't say hello it's just a the freeze seattle freeze if you ever heard about it it's very real thing so um It's amazing. So we don't really
4: have too many social clicks within the club. Seattle, the Finland of North America.
2: Exactly. <laughs> but but
0: exactly. so this has been. I'm glad you brought that up because there are clicks aside. It's hard, in my experience, at least my limited experience with home brewing, is people it's almost like being in a kitchen so people like to operate their kitchen in their own way so unless you have a good friend that you are brewing with regularly and you know each other's rhythms um it can be disruptful to bring somebody in for your homebrew day who's not experienced you know on your system or maybe has different philosophies or you know it's not a collab day you know where you know the professional Brewers are getting together and just letting the assistants do it and ordering pizza you're still you know, right doing the real work. So is homebrewing a singular sport or is it a team sport?
4: I would say it's a singular sport, but there's still a lot of fun to be trying to make it into a team sport. Um, every time I invite people over or I go over to somebody else's uh, brew house. And by the way, that was one of the big things I did when I was first learning how to homebrew was i I basically went and obnoxiously invited myself over to everybody's house, um, which you all know me is radically atypical for me. And to me, I think if you treat it not as a day of, look, we're going to make some serious brew, but as a day of, hey, let's hang out and have some fun. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we're brewing. uh, I find that if you do that, you actually can learn a lot better from somebody about what they do. Mm-hmm. than if you were to ask them because most of the time if you ask people how they brew they'll forget the little things they do and yeah. there's about a thousand and one of those so to me they're yeah homebrewing is largely a solo sport at least to my mind uh but there's a lot of value in at least sticking your nose in as an interested observer I yeah.
3: think. oh sorry danny you go ahead oh i, I was gonna say that. It all kind of depends on why you're brewing that particular day. Uh, 99% of the time I brew alone and I really enjoy it that way. Um, You know, I'm maybe not quite as antisocial as Drew, but close. But there are times when, like he said, that you want to get together with other people either for an occasion or you're trying to teach things. I mean, one of the things that I've done, all the time I've been brewing is, is teach people about brewing. And the best way to, to, to do that is have them come over and help you brew. In that case, uh, number one, you don't get annoyed because you know that they don't know anything. And uh, number two, like Drew said, you just kind of like right off the brewing for that day. You know, when I have people out, when I'm brewing um, it is, It's not about the beer. It's it's about the the getting together with the people and exchanging ideas and having fun. Uh, And after all, it it is a hobby. And so, if you're not having fun, then you're doing it wrong. Um, so it it all depends on what it's up to, uh, on what you're up to, you know. But again, for me, it's all about the process more than the beer. So. I can enjoy brewing alone because I'm just there in my solitude, kind of going through all the steps that I knew no need to happen. And I can enjoy brewing with other people sometimes because, uh, you know, it's, you, you can't be antisocial all the time. Yeah. There, there,
2: there's, yeah, there are different kinds of, of clubs as well. Some clubs are what I I refer to as brewing machines, where they're all about social activities and competitions, hosting competitions, entering there, are, you know, there are those, and then there are the ones that are a little more laid back. Um, so it, it, well, go ahead.
4: Don't forget. You also got your drinking clubs.
2: Exactly. Exactly. But oh, I, tell I, me more. I'm much, <laughs> I'm, I'm much more into the, solitary aspect of homebrewing. And my experience with joining clubs in two different states was very different. I found the certain clubs in, in, in the Sacramento area to not be open as much as I wanted them to be, which propelled, pushed me into opening my own club. Um, and then when I got to Seattle, it was very different. It was, um, it was come as you are. It was, <laughs> get my Nirvana joke there. Uh-huh. <laughs> not me. Different. No, no, no. Jenny's yeah.
0: not up with, with, uh, with today's popular music.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, I think 90s. it's just the sheer volume. It's, 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 I mean, I, I, that's, I, you can't put that, they can't, you know, I, I don't have the data behind that, but the sheer volume of clubs in in California versus Washington is it's so... It well, it's just tips the scale. It's so different, but I, I'm just rambling. <laughs> I, I love that this
0: is turning into the roast of Denny Khan. Cause, uh, when I said uh, music of the nineties, he thought it was 1790s.
3: So Yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> the loot, the loot, you know, um, the the AHA has really undertaken a- American Homebrewers
0: Association, yeah.
3: Yeah, sorry. No, has, kind of- has undertaken a, a huge mission to get more homebrewers involved in the hobby. I mean, they always have. And uh, recently with the, the decline, they've gotten even more intense about it. And they're doing it all. By trying to stress diversity and, and thinking that that's, you know, if, if they just kind of get out there and show people that they're diverse and that you can, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is that I'm not sure that that's really going to pay off. I think that homebrewing, you don't need to worry about that. You just need to get out there and show people if home, what homebrewing is about and let them make up their minds. I don't think that targeting specific groups is really going to do much good.
0: I I mean, I applaud them for trying, Um, but that brings up an interesting point because um, earlier, Annie, you said um, waiting on the next flux of excitement. Um, So if we're in a low period now, uh, and it's been sort of ebbing and flowing over the over the last couple you know as long as home brewing's been around or you know tra- tracking in the US at least the excitement or that growth i think we we we've, we've established you know often comes during hard economic times of like well you know i'm i can make beer at home as opposed to buying it um i don't know if that argument will uh uh bear out in this next economic cycle that we're going into, because, as Drew pointed out, there are so many breweries out there, and you know maybe it's a cheaper alternative um but waiting on that next flux of excitement rather than waiting on it, what are the outreach aside or maybe as part of outreach, what are some things that non home brewers and that's what I'm guessing a lot of this audience is um should be excited about when it comes to homebrewing. You know, it's, it's, I understand it's making your own. I understand there's a sense of accomplishment to it, but are there other avenues of excitement to tap?
4: Yeah. I mean, to me, I think the big one, and part of the reason why I liked homebrewing got into it was, I mean, look, I was originally just a beer consumer and I got into homebrewing because I was looking at like what was happening around me. I was like, I don't understand this. And so for me, like the big joy of homebrewing, that I then turned into something completely nerdy was getting a better handle on what was going on with the pint of beer that i was having you know like so why do i care why do i like this ipa better than that ipa uh or you know what, what do they mean when they're like oh well this is a kettle sour and so to me that was that was kind of the not that kettle sours existed when i started homeburn but you get the point.
0: <laughs> well, they did, just not on purpose.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <good point. laughs> but,
0: but for me, and admittedly, God, this is, this is, this is going to be a time life set down the down the road.
1: This is, uh, <laughs> yeah.
4: this, is this is like the the Dean Martin variety hour. Yeah, it's that you can so buy. bad. It's, yeah, it's it's hacky with wide lapels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, like my angle is education, um, and that's not surprising i'm the son of a teacher i'm the husband of a teacher grandson of a librarian and professor Education's my life so like for me i got into a hobby and it's one avenue of wanting to better understand what it was i was enjoying when i went to my local brew pub um so that's one angle i would say the other thing is i mean right now as 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 more abundant as this conversation has been in terms of you know overall levels of moroseness in terms of, oh, well, you know, the hobby isn't back to where it needs to be. And, you know, we don't have enough club activity. If we stop when we actually look, you know, since Denny and I are doing this podcast all the time, if we stop and look at what's happening with the beer world and with homebrewers and what's available, I This is actually really super exciting times because there is so much knowledge flowing around. There's so much new gear. There's so many new ingredients, so many new techniques to learn that if you are that sort of person, I mean, as much as I want to be like, you know, embrace my natural Eeyore self, you know, don't worry about me. The beer and what's going on is actually really cool and exciting. So I think that's another thing we need to promote. There's like, look, there's a lot of weird, wacky stuff happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Annie.
2: I, I, you know, I, I think about when I first started and, and what really got me in, well, I just loved beer. And then this, this, you know, this need and want that I had to, to be able to, to make it. But then I really have to say, I start, there wasn't a a great internet back then, but I found, you know, Drew uh, and the, the, uh falconers doing something on the uh dais they did mm-hmm. their group to falconer and i was fascinated watching the videos and also when i got into home uh all brain that's when i found danny's very rudimentary archaic site on how to make your own mix
3: Yeah, man. Hey, I started off writing that sucker. I mean, I,
2: I, you know what? If you're not really inclined into plumbing, the hardest thing ever is to push that silicone tubing out of <laughs> braided, you know. The, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's what excited me. So I'm going to back to what we're all talking about. I think the excitement really gonna lie in the AHA investing in promoting. Events at homebrew shops and doing outreach that way. I mean, I, I, of course, because I'm a black woman, you know, about diversity. But I, I, um, I think the the way that you attract diversity, and I think of it so differently now. I'm thinking about older folks, young folks, uh, yeah, everyone. Is that you got to you got to get out there and do some outreach you got to have it because it's such a hands-on activity and as denny said there's so many videos out there and 80 you know youtube 80% of them are crap yep you you got to you, your home shop's going to be where you, where the the level of uh, of knowing is at its best that's where i think that we folk. We, that's where i think the focus should be promoting homebrew shops and the things that they sell from the vendors um and doing outreach and and inviting clubs to get there to do demonstrations that's the way the grass you got to get you got to get your boots on the ground you got to go grassroots because that's what excited me because I used to hang out at, at, at you know at the homebrew club and that's how I learned things I mean at the homebrew shop and that's how I I learned things so that's the way I think it it should be, and I'm excited to 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 try to push that.
3: Just, yeah, just, just a couple weeks ago, there was an event called Learn to Homebrew Day that uh, is put on every year, sponsored by the American Homebrewers Association, and homebrew clubs or individual homebrewers put on demonstrations of homebrewing my club got together at at a local uh, brewery and we do that every every year for learn to homebrew day and do brewing demonstrations and people come by and see what it's all about and you know that happens all over the united states maybe even all over the world i don't know uh but that you know that is one way to get new people involved in the hobby you know you do it at a brewery these are people who are interested in beer already and they come by and they see that you're there making beer and they're going hmm i wonder if i could do that and you know every year our club sees at least a couple new people due to that event that's fun so the whole thing is like annie said show people what it's all about, you know? Um,
2: Absolutely. Cause it can be an extremely intimidating hobby. And, and if you can't just go out and get yourself an all-in-one unit, because it, that takes some, that that, that takes some know-how as well, but a hobby, <laughs> the home, you know, which I love the all-in-ones, but you have to get out there and show people for me on learn to homebrew day. Um, I just went out to the edge of my driveway and homebrewed, and everyone who passed by who, you know, besides wanting a free beer was, what are you doing? And I just tried to excite that way because we didn't have any local events. Cause I think the little bit, I mean, I don't want to get in trouble, but I think a little bit, the AHA dropped the ball a little bit this year on the learn to homebrew day. Kind of went on yeah. a lead potato
4: see annie you go down to the end of your driveway and brew and you get people stopping and asking you questions i do the same thing i get the cops called on me
3: yeah they they think drew's making meth
0: yeah drew once again
3: pants Pants. (laughs) oh you have no idea how often i say that to him (laughs) all
0: right so drew you brought up um that there are some cool things happening and you know Mm -hmm. uh even like equipment wise or uh, you know, new gadgets or you know there's there's obviously um you can look to the professional Brewers as well and styles that they're doing um but where 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 is home brewing going right now with like what's exciting that's on the marketplace um that is allowing home Brewers to do things that maybe they couldn't do before um mm-hmm. or opening up new avenues or you know just, yeah, what what are you jazzed about?
4: Well, Annie just mentioned it in passing. The all in ones. So yeah, you know, I think all three of us started with you know various three vessel systems, right? You because know, look, that's what the professionals do. That's what we have to do. Um, you know, I got my HLT, I got my mesh, tun. I got my boil kettle. But these all in one systems now. So Denny and I both brew on grandfather's. Uh, Annie, I don't know, are, are you on a grandfather or Bruzilla?
0: Oh. I don't you know if we on. lost Danny.
2: No, oh, I'm here.
0: Oh, Drew's asking Sorry,
2: about I, your my rig. Dog went into, my dog got into something she wasn't supposed to. I'm uh, Sorry. So uh, what,
3: what kind of brewing system do you use these days?
2: Me? Well, I use my cobbled together one. My beautiful, I love my old Saab coca. Okay? And um, I have some pots. So I have a bigger... Three-tier system that for ten or fifteen yard matches, and then I have a smaller bruzilla that was um, a gift, and I, I like it too. It's it, it's 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 different, but I sure enjoy it because it's it's um, hands off. It, um, yeah. I don't have a zymanic anymore.
4: It's, right. All uh, uh, right, Drew, P. you're saying the all-in-ones, though. Yeah, the, the, the all-in-ones. <laughs> oh, and the reason why I'm saying that is brewing can be kind of fussy and fiddly, right? You know, I got to check my temperatures, make sure everything's staying there. And then need to do this, that, and the other. These all-in-ones have made it so that, you know, I can set up a batch of beer the night before, get the water heating before I'm actually coming out here to my garage. And then in the morning, just go in and then everything kind of happens with my programming, but without me having to do a lot of physical intervention, which means I can go off and do a load of laundry. I can go buy the groceries. I can go pet my dog, you know, that sort of thing. And it's made it so that I can actually brew more often and be more confident about what I'm brewing than it was back in the old days. Like one of the things that almost killed me as a home brewer was I built. What Annie had just said, you know, I got the three three-tier system with a stand and everything else. And I was like, yes, I can finally make real batches of beer like a real brewer. You know? And it actually ended up slowing down my brewing, making so I couldn't. So these all-in-one systems do a lot of the work towards easing the inertial load to brewing. You know, like because otherwise I find that so easy in this day and age to kind of go, okay, I'm gonna go brew a batch of beer ah, uh, crap, I got to go do this instead. And so you go do the other thing instead, and the beer just sits there waiting for you to come back and go, please brew me. Um, These these things just make it really easy to kind of go, okay, well, here, I can start the beer and I can go do something else and come back and keep making it. So that's part of the reason why I'm excited about it. There's so much cool gear and also a lot of really cool new yeast, particularly if you're into like either things farmhousey with all the quake stuff you know, which everybody kept thinking was going to be like, look, it's going to be our Lord and Savior. It's going to make it possible for you to homebrew without temperature control, because these things will ferment to 110 degrees with no problem. Don't quite buy the hype on that, but still they make brewing a much more accessible in that sense. And then also just with the equipment and yeast that will do funny things with fruit characters. So it's exciting. But to me, the, best, the biggest and best thing, at least from my point of view, for the homebrewing hobby has been this sort of Simplification of the equipment that still enables you to make great beer.
2: Right. Yeah. That-
4: no, sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Anna.
2: I am. Um, I'm as much you know as you know where I used to work. Even though the company is no longer, I really feel that that it was at the forefront of. of oh
3: yeah, definitely.
2: Developing these all in one and really put out the <laughs> really put out the data for these other companies to to create products and deliver. So I'm a big fan
3: of All-in-One. You know, I I see them as kind of a mixed blessing. Uh, I use one. I love one. Now that I've been doing it, uh, I couldn't imagine brewing any other way. But I had a pretty good grounding in the fundamentals of brewing before I did it. I'm afraid that what I'm seeing more and more is people who go out and they feel like if they buy this equipment, then they can just make great beer without any, without even really having to know what's going on. Yeah. Now, as, an exa- as an example, I've been exchanging messages for the last few weeks with a guy who went out and spent thousands and thousands of dollars to pretty much duplicate my system. And he is totally clueless about how brewing works, what you're trying to accomplish when you do it, and how you accomplish it. And so basically, I'm walking him through learning to brew the Facebook messages on all this super expensive equipment he's got when he would have been far better off. You just go out and you know buy buy an extract recipe kit and start by making that like all of us did learn you know what's happening when you brew uh how hopping works how fermentation works how sanitation works and and learning the basics before he moved on to this equipment once you get to that point when, once you get to that point all this equipment is absolutely great right. i can i can do 12 gallons of beer in less than four hours and have a super fun time doing it. And, you know, for me, fun is all I care about when I'm brewing. The the beer is really secondary. It's what comes out the other end, but it's not the purpose for doing it. Well, But to be fair, Denny,
4: there's always been in all these hobbies, including this one, you know, those dudes who will go out and they'll spend a ton of money because they have it on hand to do something without a single clue. I mean, it, it, these days it's an all-in-one. But in the old in the olden days, it was look. I bought a Sabco brew broom, uh, broom magic system or something like that.
3: Right, right. No, I I agree. It's 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 not new, but it's a lot more prevalent than I've seen it at, in any time in the twenty five years I've been brewing.
2: Yeah, and you know when I when I give talks about brewing, I'm always in closing one of my key things, and there's just a few. It, one of them is always read, read, read and read some more. People don't read enough. And yeah, you're right with the all- in one they expect it to do everything and they're gonna pop out a, you know a, a beautiful lager. That's not happening um, without without dedicating time to learn about beer and how to make beer. I
0: mean, part of this sounds like the argument. That professional brewers are making these days, uh, especially uh, of an older generation of, you know, well, today's drinkers, today's young drinkers, um, they're coming in and they're drinking hazy IPAs and they're, you know, oh, they're, they're, they're going sympathy. all into it. Yeah. But no, but, but, but they also don't then understand West Coast IPA. And they didn't have to, you know, today's generation didn't have to suffer through the IB, uh, IBU wars uh, you know, like we did, or you know, get through a raft of, you know, extreme bitterness and um, learning the pleasures of that uh, because it's all you know juicy and tropical and and, and, and sweet and everything. And then it's tough to go back to learn, Styles and to get a, 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 a fun, like a fundamental uh education um if you're starting you know at a sweeter point um and it sounds like starting with an all in one could be the same thing of it's going to be harder for people then to go you know to a more hands-on system where they can then be in maybe better control of their beer or control their destiny a little bit better.
3: I don't. I don't think it's really about control. I think it's uh, about understanding the process and and why you do things, because uh, what I'm seeing. I mean, again, one one problem I'm seeing. I mean, I'm on a lot of different forums and and platforms, talking to homebrewers, trying to educate them, and one thing I see over and over again. Is new homebrewers being just inundated and, and completely buried by more experienced homebrewers trying to unload everything they know on them, you know, instead of going step by step saying, okay, you're at this stage. This is what you need to be concentrating on now. Forget about that other stuff. Save that until you get this down. Um, and so by having so much information out there, then it gets it gets thrown at new homebrewers all at once out of context without them really having an understanding of why you need that information and what you do with it.
0: Fair enough. Um, Right now in the professional brewing sphere, cold IPA seems to be uh, where people are putting a lot of their attention. Um, Obviously, uh, there are folks who are still beating the logger drum, uh, which I'm, I'm grateful for. Uh, is, is there on these message boards at your meetings? Ha- have have you three noticed that there's a a, a homebrewing interest in a particular style or category or um, technique? Because I I I still look to homebrewers, as I think a lot of people do, to help. Sort of move the needle of professional brewing, and I think what happens on the small creative side can eventually translate into the uh, larger production places. Um, is is there anything that you three are seeing that we could soon be seeing on tap at our local tap rooms?
4: You know, I don't know about things that are new that would be seen at the uh, the local tap rooms, but the three things I've been noticing in the homebrew club is hops every which way you can which of course we see you know in the in the craft beer scene but like a lot of exploration of like hey you know I'm really trying to push my IPAs or my pale ales you know further and further and then the other place where I'm seeing it and you know we obviously see one of these in the in the professional world which is pushing alcohol to the extremes and what I mean by that is either going high or going low and so in the one sense you know the high is all all what's always been you know my barrel aged russian imperial stout that's 17 percent with an extra shot of mezcal added to each bottle um, <laughs> i think uh, signed me up but yeah. <laughs> yeah um but on the other hand and the one I hope that we see more at the professional level and the one I keep hearing rumbles about, but then again, i also hear rumbles about it doesn't sell is people going for far more sessionable uh, beers. And by that, I mean, trying to stay under the four and a half percent, you know, kind of like what I think of being more is like brewers beers and brewers want to make them. And I keep hearing people make rumblings about them at the professional level. But right now is still if I know I want a mild, which I always want a mild then I know the best way for me to assure myself that I'm going to be able to have mild is to go make it my own damn self, and so I'm seeing some of that in the homebrew club as well, and I suspect some of that is actually an allergic reaction to COVID, right? You know, with COVID and the pandemic and everything else, everybody kind of went for a while. You know, what sounds like a good idea, a drink, but sir, it's Tuesday morning. Shut up. Um, oh yeah,
0: no, definitely. I mean, there there were no rules uh, in those early days, and I think you know people were using alcohol as a uh, I mean, they always do as a coping device, but I think that there were it, it, every, everything sort of turned into new Orleans. And, well, I was going to say everything to me uh, turned yeah. into
4: uh, airport rules. Yeah. It's, yes. That's yes. Yes. And um, so I'm, I'm seeing at the homebrew level, I'm seeing some more response to that. Like going, well, you know, okay. I overdid it there for a while. I'm going to dial it back and let's make a, let's make something that's a little bit more agreeable. Um, I hope to see more of that at the professional level, but I'm always worried and concerned that we won't see that because people still seem to buy beer by the number of IBUs and by the amount of alcohol.
0: Annie Denny, what do you what
4: do well, you see?
3: Well, what I'm starting to see is a bit of a backlash to all the weird shit that people put in beers, you know. Um I don't know if homebrewers influence commercial breweries to do it or vice versa. But, you know, I'm seeing a lot fewer of the things like, you know, pastry stouts and beers with 14 different adjuncts in them, that none of which really go together. Um, I'm not saying that those don't exist anymore, but I'm seeing less of an emphasis on them and more people going back to beer flavored beer. Annie, what about you?
2: I don't know. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. I,
2: I just, I, I've kind of given up. I don't. When I look at the cold IPA and, and some people are interested and in, I just wrote a, an article about it a couple of months ago, but it's me like adding rice to a lager, which was something that uh, macro breweries do quite a bit. But then all of a sudden, someone does it on the craft side, and every, and then everyone thinks it's the, the second coming of, of Gambrinus or Nengasi. But it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what the next big thing is. Somebody was just brewing a cold wheat.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what,
4: okay.
2: What is that? Well, I
4: uh, we we bear done with the lager strain, but I guess
2: you know the the term cold. It, we're gonna see that in a, in front of a lot of beers these these coming years. Like cold, as,
0: as long as the mountains turn blue, it's ready cold. to drink.
2: It's, <laughs> it 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 makes sense. The next thing you see is the cold pale ale, the cold yes. session IPA.
3: I mean, and and to me, these are all really marketing gimmicks. Yeah,
2: know? I agree. And then I, but I. Not- no, no. I just wanted to say that it's completely out there just because someone is brewing professionally. doesn't mean they're any good.
3: Yes. yes. You know,
2: restaurants that people have restaurants and you go to restaurants and some of them are just awful. The same with breweries. And then, and but people think, well, brewery, they're making beer. So they're obviously good. I don't know how many breweries I go to and I'm like, I cannot believe you're in business
3: yeah that's that's why i refer to them as commercial breweries rather than professional breweries because yeah, I mean, and it's pro- kind of professional like, implies a level of expertise that is not always there
2: but you'll also get some home brewers that are giving advice and it's some of the worst advice i've uh, uh, i don't know how you navigate it all it, it, it's a, it's it,
3: to tell you to, i mean you know i for 25 years i've been the guy who's like on all these forums answering questions for people and stuff like that and i have really started backing away from that because i just get too disgusted by all the bad advice that's out there and i don't want to get involved in trying to have to explain to somebody why what they're saying is totally incorrect
4: once again proving that even though everybody thinks i'm the grumpy one that yeah. is actually the grumpy one
3: it's uh yeah. <laughs> i was
0: gonna make a joke about a cold black ipa except i have one in my uh, fridge right now from a oh, uh, no uh, from a commercial uh, brewery as danny would say so, um,
4: it, so it, it needs to be a, a cold
0: black heart ipa uh yeah or cascadian <laughs> dark cold cascadian dark is where it's
2: at <laughs> yeah uh, yeah in my, in my day it was just an ipa you know?
1: There you go. Right. Well,
4: by the way, speaking of marketing things, and John, you had referenced, you know, hey, as long as the mountains turn blue, yeah. Did you see the? Did you see the Coors nail polish?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: because
0: fingers in your beer is what you want. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Being mindful of your all time, and this is this is a lot of fun. And we should definitely do this again soon. Um, I want to ask you all the green door question and so uh it, it, i started asking this question uh in the early part of the pandemic because my wife and i were re-watching the good place the the television show and i don't know if you're oh. familiar with it but yes, in the indeed. final season they introduced the concept of a green door that you can walk through and be anywhere uh at any point in history um or anywhere in the world um and it's it's sort of a you know a, a fun escape so if there was a green door on our plane of existence and this conversation ends and you can walk through it and be at any bar or any brewery, anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? And Denny, let's
3: start with you. Oh man. You're counting on a very old memory here, John. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that I would either, Uh, Can I, can I pick more than one? (laughs) I mean, you have two other guests
0: on the show. I mean, it's their time that you're eating into, but sure.
3: They don't care. Um, I would say uh, one place would be Bailbreaker in Yakima for the gorgeous location and the feeling of being connected to everything that's in your beer. And the other one, I think might be oh maybe like end of read uh you know so that I could I could go drink West Vletteran again and contemplate all the all all the things that have led up to it.
0: Excellent. Annie what about you? Oh
2: my goodness. Um yeah Danny got two so I get two. Four. I I would go back to the late 70s and I would be hanging out with um Ken Grossman, I would be, because I grew up just outside of Chico, so I was already there. <laughs> and, I would, um, and I would be hanging out, watching them brew with these ingredients, uh, c- uh, creating their first Sierra amount of pale ale. And then the other thing I would do is I would go way back in time to the 1840s, and I would be in Pilsen, and I would be there with Joseph Grohl at Pilsner Quell. For the creation of the world's most beautiful, gorgeous beer,
0: you'd walk in and Denny would be sitting at
2: the bar.
3: Be there. <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah, well, I was been there for the ground, years.
2: Everything about that brewery and that time, just to see the transformation of when they were drinking pure swill into something that was just like that shining moment when the clouds part and oh,
0: I love that, Drew. Any brewery, any bar, any place in the world. Where are you going? Who are you going with? And what are you drinking? And pretty you may easy. also have two. No,
4: nope. uh, I'm I'm pretty well set on this one. <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to follow the rules, unlike the other two guests. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's you. unusual for me. <laughs> 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 so, okay, where would I be? Yeah, Rosary Dupont. Uh, that's very much on brand for me, right? Yes. To go to Dupont. Who would I be with? Uh, my favorite dog, Cookie. And what would I be drinking? Uh, endless glasses of Vecla of Bamboo. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't get much better than that.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get much more on brand for
3: me either. Wow.
2: <laughs> no. I want to be in that. I want to change mine to be with Drew
3: there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change mine to be there, but without Drew. <laughs> Mm.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, well, thank you to all th- of you. This was uh, wildly fun and entertaining. And um, thanks for spending a bit of your afternoon uh, with me on the show. I, I uh, very much
4: appreciate it.
2: Well,
3: thank you for asking, John. It was really nice of you.
2: Thank, you. thank you so much.
4: Thank you. And I hope that, uh, I hope that didn't get too swirly. <laughs> no, just the right amount. Okay, good.
0: (laughs) Are you a home brewer? If so, tell me about it. What have you been home brewing? You can email me. It's John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com, or you can share with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. And don't forget that for the very best in home brewing content, make sure you check out BYO Magazine. They're online at byo.com. All About Beer is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow along at All About Beer. And of course, This Week in Rauch Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Rauk beer. And we're able to bring you this show each week. And thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, as promised, Jack Hendler is back with us. Jack Savvy is a sponsor of this episode, so I hope you'll give them a closer look. And we're talking about the loggers of the World Series, and this time it's Destination Singapore, which is available now. And Jack, I'm intrigued by this term, cool pool. Can you walk us through that process and share what it brings to the finished result of this logger?
1: Absolutely. So this is a cool process. Uh, no pun intended, uh, maybe <laughs> cut that one out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, the low hanging fruit go for yeah, it yeah
1: exactly so this is a really cool process for which we cool our wart down between the kettle and the whirlpool so we actually have installed a heat exchanger so when we pump our wort from our kettle to our whirlpool we'll cool the beer down and for this beer we cooled the beer to about 170 degrees and then we added our hops And by doing so, we were able to really incorporate a lot of flavor and aroma from the hops without picking up much bitterness because of the cooler temperatures and we used all Australian hops uh, galaxy and enigma and we use those because of. The access that Singapore has to those hops they're actually easier uh, to get Australian New Zealand hops and say getting those hops from Europe or the US.
0: I dig that. And Maris Otter's in this beer, which I, I know is such a revered malt for other styles. Uh, how does it do in the final pint for this lager?
1: Yeah. Using this malt was a lot of fun because we've never, as an all lager brewer, we don't generally use Maris Otter, but uh, it, it gives a real depth of character to this beer and really helps to balance all the hops that we're using in the cool pool. So Maris Otter is a really famous variety of barley grown in England and that unique variety gives a lot of uh, special flavors and aroma and uh, we again is used exclusively for the for the malt for this beer.
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to give this one a try and I hope everybody else uh, who's listening goes out and grab some of this uh, while it's still available because it's on shelves now. Thanks, Jack, and I'm gonna remind everybody to go check out jacksabby.com to learn more, not only about this beer, but all of the lagers that the brewery has on offer. And thank you again to Jack's Abbey for being a sponsor. Finally, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. You can search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And don't forget, go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this show, Nate Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.